Hello, and welcome to Rethinking Legal Ops, a podcast by Speed Legal. I'm Ashwari Saxena, and here we talk to legal experts, industry leaders, and innovators about the many ways that legal tech is transforming the way we practice law. Today we have with us an amazing guest, Marco Mandela. He is a training lawyer at Holy, which is an engineering construction firm where Marco works in-house. And he's also the founder of MM3 Legal. And they're doing really groundbreaking, exciting work, which we're going to talk a bit more about today. Wonderful to have you here, Marco. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And hello, everyone. Great. So, Marco, so just to kick things off, I'm very curious about your um, your academic and professional journey and what got you into legal design and uh, got you inspired to do what you're doing today. Well, yeah, um, most difficult question probably to start like that. Uh, my, my, my journey, let's say professional and academic, is a very strange one and definitely not a straightforward one. Um, very briefly, originally I'm from Italy, you, you can probably tell, uh, but then I, I, after uh, my master's I moved to France uh, for a short a bit of time and then to the Netherlands, um, to Leiden University for a master in law in digital technologies and then life, you know, gives you some challenges and, and so I, I basically moved to the UK uh, with my wife and now I've been here for now seven, eight years. Um, I'm basically, you know, converting all my background from civil law to common law because you uh, probably you from from the US, you know, your common law system uh, here in Europe, you know, there's there's a big mix. So I, I'm, I'm in the process now to qualifying uh, as a qualified lawyer in England and Wales. And that's where I'm working in house, you know, uh, with with Holly. And then um, legal design is, is a passion, a total passion. I've. I've approached legal design a couple of years ago, um, but it was mostly just theory. You know, I was reading, I was attending events, uh, but there was nothing practical, which is absolutely counter sense for legal design because you need to put your hands in it. You get, you, you get your hands dirty, let's say. Um, I'm not a designer, so, you know, I have a legal background. But, so, but you can approach this matter from a different angle and I joined the Legal Creatives Academy back last year or so with Tessa Manuelo, and it's been extremely formative. And from that day, I mean, I've met so many people down the road and I've learned so many skills that I feel so much connected to it. Great. And what, a, what an interesting journey. It seems like you've seen uh, the practice of law in, in different countries, and that must uh, that must give you a very interesting perspective on how you yes. approach legal documents and in contracts, because that's that's such a rich, uh, rich experience to have. Um, and, you know, while you were talking about like you know having a legal background, not being a designer, it reminded me of a conversation I had with Tessa, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about how we all have all these different skills. Uh, but when we go to law school, you know, like we kind of like forget that there, there's just like this like whole other range of skills that we have. We have creativity, uh, you know, we can lawyers can be artistic and and all those things. And when I look at some of your work, it uh, really makes me uh, makes me reimagine the practice of law because you don't no. have to be all, like black or white, like you know. Just, like, <laughs> no, indeed. You know what? I think I think the the, the best experience of. Um, traveling and working in different countries and then jurisdictions put you in a perspective where you need to be sure that your audience understands what you're doing. 
So you go through a bit, let's say a bit of suffering is not suffering. You go through a bit of challenges because, you know, it's not your culture. It's not your place. It's not uh, the way that you have learned law and things. But that's exactly why you need to be sure that you can align and your communication somehow somehow works right because you yeah. th- there are cultural gaps differences way of explaining way of teaching and so let's say when i approach legal design uh, and in terms of creativity how to try to be creative to solve problems right um i i said okay i need to understand the persona which means is there is this document or is what i'm delivering clear simple understandable to the audience um, is it providing a service? It's useful or it's just a cool tool? You know, because yeah. I can craft something beautiful, but maybe it's not useful. Yeah, um, yeah. no, totally. And I, I love how you emphasize that communication, you know, when you when you go to a different country and like you're now practicing law and learning to practice law in a different jurisdiction, that sort of communication becomes uh, very, very key. And I think in just in general with like law, communication is now becoming a bigger part of the theme as we're trying to figure out ways to just communicate legal matters better, even, you know, with like non-lawyers, especially with, with non-lawyers, because um, I went to law school because I was really into like languages and I, uh, and I felt like law gave power to language and it felt, you know, very fascinating to read about it. But later in law school, I learned that it, um, a lot of jargon, illegalese, also takes oh, a lot yes. of power because people don't understand it. They don't want to read it, Absolutely. which is why Absolutely. I'm particularly excited with uh, with what you're what you're doing. It's it's really trailblazing. So I mean, I, I I definitely understand what you mean, and you know, um, real expert, not not me, but real expert people that you know, Stefania Bassera in legal design, for example, or or many others here in the UK. For example, Sarah Fox for uh, commercial and construction, and uh, Elizabeth Stedler from from South Africa. I mean, the world is full of experts that are fighting this battle <laughs> against legalese, and I'm 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 a proud fellow of that because it's basically another language on top of the real one, where somehow, if we want to address the problem, what's wrong today in approaching legal documents or drafting contract. The problem is, first, you said that rightly, legal abuse of legalese, because, you know, you basically create an additional language on top, created by lawyers for all the lawyers, but where's the client? <laughs> the client yeah. cannot be, maybe is a lawyer, 101%, uh, yeah. but maybe not. So why you need to abuse that? I may appreciate that some legislation must be mentioned, so a bit of legalese somehow is gonna is gonna squeeze here and there, but that cannot be the whole document. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Straight after the abuse of legalese, the wall of text. So, in other words, white justified wall of text in black. Yeah. Oh dear, the the document is not accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, as, uh, I, I can tell you, I'm a dyslexic lawyer and I struggle massively with wall of text, but I'm pretty sure you don't need to be dyslexic to, to suffer that because you need mm-hmm. to pay very much attention and go through each each line, which is exhausting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Third, third thing, um, well, <laughs> I call it monsters, but when I see stuff like notwithstanding, whereas... Uh, yeah. 
uh, as, as reasonable as but no. I mean, all these sort of formulas, they are not just archaic, but if you really think about it, they don't make sense. Try to, what I'm trying to, is like try to read the same sentence three times, close your eyes, listen to yourself, say, what? <laughs> how is, please tell me what's what's going on in the US. How, it's, how is your experience? Because I, I, you're in California right now, right? Yes, I'm in California, okay. Berkeley right now. Uh, so similar, similar stuff. I think um, definitely like the American drafting style uh, does, you know, rely a little bit more on simple language and which was one of the biggest changes for me because I studied law in India and for a while in France and in both of those countries, uh, they're, they're pretty jargon heavy, you know, like law is treated as this like its own like very technical field, which which it mm -hmm. is, but then lawyers are not really taught to like communicate, we're taught to communicate in complex ways in general so i used to say a lot of like howsoever notwithstanding therefore <laughs> like instead of therefore it like gets, it gets in your brain it takes yeah. you like it's kind of like a demogorgon literally oh yeah yeah totally so when i took my first uh legal research and writing class over here and i wrote like that i thought that the press professor would be very impressed like you know by all the jargon that i used and the professor were not, was not very impressed because she was like you've written a memo for the client the client is going to understand absolutely nothing they're going to have to come back to you and then you're going to have to explain them it wastes everyone's time so um definitely simpler english but not to not to a satisfactory level like there's still enough jargon that um you're almost and this is my opinion of course you know but you're almost always uh, are going to have to talk to a lawyer to understand um what is that form or like you know a contract or something like that no no it makes perfect sense i mean it, my my comments let's say on there are yeah quite strong i i understand but not so extreme in a point where we need to demolish the whole thing it's more like cleaning up in a Marie Kondo style yeah. <laughs> take yeah. what sparks yeah. joy uh, <laughs> the rest uh, and then you know um, set your room in proper order first before you criticize what's outside right yes. uh, so I love and, that Marie Kondoing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that that should be I've a thing actually, <laughs> no no I've actually heard that from from a lesson uh, I've attended in legal design a few months ago and I I won't forget it anymore because yeah. uh, I think because I think metaphors sometimes are amazing uh, to, to, to describe an emotion you know because you know legal design and it's mostly about empathy right I mean there are five phases I'm you know, from the empathy to the define and iterate, I won't, I won't repeat those. Every kind of everyone knows them, but empathy is such a huge factor, right? So, any any tool you have at your disposal to 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 to, to reach your user empathy or your your user need, your persona needs, your persona pains to to try not to resolve all of them, but at least trying organically step by step to really understand what's the problem first before you deliver a solution that may be again not useful or you are just the one that likes it and but then say yeah i like it but it's not useful um but in another in terms of extremes um now i'm i'm i'm, I'm a fellow of the legal design school from from anti in finland um i don't know if you've heard of them but um they're pretty cool and the, the environment is amazing lots of people are attending designers lawyers marketing it, 
it doesn't matter what's your background, okay? Um, but um, to, there's a lot of practice, but together there's a lot of theory too in a, in a very empowering way. So they're not, what I like, it's that they're not teaching, they're trying, to, they give you the tools to empower and then you develop your own uh, ideas on that. Um, and, and one of the things that really was like, uh, super, super funny. Um, um, in, w- in one of their books, you know, the, the, there's a famous quote where it says, the law is broken. That's how they, they approach it. So if, if we go back to the main question that we did at the very beginning, where we said, what's the problem now with contracts? Well, most of them are adversarial, 90%, 99% probably. Yeah. So the approach is adversarial. So it's you versus the other. And then your relationship so already with the client is starting already like... <laughs> in a very strange way. So you're not kind of trying to mediate. It's more like a confrontation. Yeah. Uh, this is what I want. This is what she wants. This is what I want. This is what he wants. So it, it doesn't work like that. Um, mm-hmm. At least, you know, it shouldn't. Um, but a very, a very funny, a very funny point is that I, I've read that a Finnish security firm was testing a theory to put the hero clause in the terms of service. Have you ever heard of that? No. So in other words, they were testing in their terms of service, so that they wanted to prove that no one was reading the terms of service because they were very long. Okay. So they added a clause, like from you know from from the Old Testament uh, story, where uh, the user needs to assign their firstborn child to us for the duration <laughs> of eternity. I mean, oh my uh, gosh! <laughs> and, and people were signing it, say, yeah, yeah, of course. So because <laughs> because you don't read it. Um, <laughs> that's such a great example <laughs> yeah then I'm fully aware that in a court of law these clauses are not enforceable but it's just funny yeah. um, but it's real uh, yeah. so yeah and, and what did you call the name of the, the clause uh, it's called the hero uh, clause because hero was one of the um Religious, oh, mythological, yeah, 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 character, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was very fun. I mean, I, I keep repeating this every day in my firm, and now they are a bit annoyed about that too. So, yeah, <laughs> no, that is a great example. I'm going to write write that one down. And yeah. That is so true. I mean, it's like we've got so many memes about people, like you know, I'm a great person. I'm honest. I don't lie, except for in terms and conditions. You know, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, we all do that. And it doesn't yeah. have to be that way. And, you know, I was recently doing some research and I found the Apple privacy nutrition labels, the Google, uh, the new Google like privacy policy, so much better. Like you look at it and you understand it, which is the purpose of privacy, right? Like you want to ensure yeah. people know their rights, like, you know, they know what they're giving to you. So you want to communicate it well. And yeah. it opened uh, my eyes to this new perspective where, um, you know, privacy policies and terms and conditions, they don't have to be sneaky. It's in the best interest of also for the companies to properly communicate so that, you know, you don't get sued in the future and like, you know, you can uh, mitigate some of those like reputational risks and, and, and stuff. And I think with the newer generation, I can like, I can already say that now because the Gen Z are here. So it feels great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the newer generations they're like but, much more conscious about about, yes, about yeah and so something that you definitely need probably I, I know you're doing lessons in Berkeley right with with students so yes. I think it's perfect for you to test this from a real audience from a younger generation right where you say um, guys um, question um, how will you 
start a business relationship, like <laughs> in a sneaky, <laughs> confrontational, uh, purely purpose, purely business purpose driven, or <laughs> you want to build up a relationship with your client. And by relationship, I don't mean that we need to become best friends. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not putting that up to, you know, a, a, a say a funny idealistic way of living not at all it's more like respect and then um, building up a good relationship with your client which automatically raise up trust uh, which is you know a a huge concept philosophically speaking but we we are not I'm I'm not let's say entitled to speak about that (laughs) I'm just saying that um, respect uh, builds up relationships and from relationship you build up trust and then the client is going to come back because you treated him well it's going yeah. to come back. It gives you more work and yeah. it's going to spread your um, your name all across saying, you know what? Those guys, um, they work pretty well. Um, I recommend this to you. Because yeah. I appreciate that we are in the year of social media, now even Web3 era. But the power of word to word still matters. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I don't know what you think about it, but I think yeah. it's real. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, to- totally, totally agreed. I mean, that sort of integrity and the credibility you show, like with just people that you work with, or like you know, like clients that you work for and stuff. I, I think it is still one of the biggest wealth that you know, like for for any company that's sort of like goodwill. And just in our work experience as well, uh, you know, some of our best opportunities have been through people that we knew, like they just liked our work, so they connected us with someone, and um, that's just how it's it's gone. You can do all the marketing you can spend thousands of dollars but if you built that trust with one person it's going to multiply into like exactly. you know like 10 other people trusting you so a big big believer in, in it's Google. it's it's literally i fully agree with you with that it's literally an investment and you know because we talk about personas and then this let's say the main the main point today was about creativity right yes. you know better than me that especially i don't know probably you have a bit more marketing background than me um people think in a different way uh and people are connect feel connected or feel um engaged with in different ways or in different topics right so when the standard approach doesn't work you need to find an alternative right which can be anything can be i'm a fan of gamification or gaming i think it's a super powerful tool to, to 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 engage with an audience so which means based on the culture of levels, incentives, and so reward. Yeah. Uh, but if we focus about creativity, let's show and don't tell, because this is a mantra for legal design. Can you please yeah. pick up um, the, 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 the template I, I, I shared with you just a, just a moment ago about the corporate organigram, uh, okay. the picture too, please? Because yes. I want the, I, it's, it's nothing serious. It, it, it's just a sketch. If you go on the number one, this is, this is this is there are two versions um this is the standard template uh i think i there's one linear corporate organigram and a second one is exactly what um i think i can send you again the file because i think yeah yeah i send you the file here look you should have it directly on your um inbox Sorry, again, so, I did not have um, this one. Sorry about no that. I'll show you just a second. Yeah, no worries at all. So I, I can give some context to 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 anyone who's listening. Uh, so 
uh, if you're working in house like me, or even if you work in a in a business not necessarily law, you you will definitely deal with some organigrams. Uh, so you know the organigrams like the pyramid the pyramidal structure of who is the boss, who commands and control, uh, who is in charge for this this and that. Okay, this is not legal design. This is just a sketch. <laughs> this is a sketch prototype badly done in 15 minutes. So it's not about quality here. It's just about the message. So I, I wanted to, you know, the organigrams are with the mega CEO at the top and then all the others uh, associate whatever afterwards and then the associate of the associates and then the super associates of the associates underneath so it's extremely pyramidal uh, and i to make a bit fun of it to to, to you know to, to, to challenge a bit this stereotype i just use the lord of the rings character <laughs> from <laughs> and actually i spent actually 10 minutes to read all the, the right names because it is you know tolkien is pretty it's pretty detailed, but apart from that, again, this is a nerd, a nerd um, version of it. But the point is, you know, think about an organigram, linear, boring, uh, old style, and uh, pretty much scary. This is what uh, was version one. And then I tried to create a version two, again, just a sketch, nothing serious. And the second one, uh, indeed, that's the one. <laughs> You can maximize so at least we can see a bit. So what I've what I've done, I've tried to use an agile way of thinking, you know. Um, so and then putting the, the the exact people, let's say, corresponding to the first organigram from the center to to the to the outside. Uh, and rather than saying who is on top, who is in charge, who is the chief, who is not the chief, who doesn't count, we reverse the perspective from a newbie that has just joined the firm last of the chain, right? In this case, is Legolas on the top left. Yeah. We say, I'm the newbie and I want to know who is in charge. So as you can see at the center, the very center, you have Sauron or whatever the CEO, which means responsibility. I mean, yes, of course you are the CEO, but because of that, you have some duties too. That's where the responsibility comes. And then all the rest. So from assistance and then support. So, um, yeah, I think, again, this is not rocket science. It's just an example of how you can be creative. So in a way, when when I hear from colleagues or friends, oh, I'm not creative, I, 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 will, never, I will never do it. That's not true. <laughs> of course, some people are more inclined, like some people are, you know, faster runner by, by, by default because nature yeah. gave that, that gift. Um, so I appreciate that, you know, there's only one Leonardo da Vinci, and we won't be all Leonardo, but it, it, creativity is, is a muscle. That's what I think. So you don't need to be the best. You don't need to be perfect. It's just that you need to challenge a bit yourself, going a bit out of your comfort zone, and trying to, you know, you, in your own way, have a bit of fun and trying to find alternative ways. Because innovation is just thinking about, a new idea, right? And creation is just actually trying to make one, deliver one somehow. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to share this about creativity because I think there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stereotype about I'm not creative, you are. I mean, it's not true. I th I, that's my opinion. But I, I, please challenge me if you think otherwise. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I fully agree. And I mean, couldn't agree more with the fact that creativity is a muscle. I mean, we all have it. Some have it in, uh, so, uh, uh, some, some people have a larger creativity muscle, like at the outset, and like some have to like, you know, train it. Uh, and uh, really reminds me of like my mom. My mom is also a lawyer. And like, you know, before she became oh. a lawyer, uh, she was an artist, like, you know, she still paints a lot. Uh, but when she became a lawyer, she started practicing like transactional law and just like started thinking very like black and white. It was also affecting her art. Like she stopped painting for a few uh, years. And then one of her friends was like, you know, you should maybe bring some of that like artistic, like, you know, vibe that you have from like, you know, all the stuff you paint into the way that you approach like, you know, law. And like, you know, she helped design for her own practice, like a new template for um, using fewer like periods, using fewer commas and like things like that. So I saw her do that, you know, growing growing up. And it did make me realize that it's not really that um, lawyers have to be logical. Perhaps it's like by our training, by the nature of our training, especially the way like, you know, law school can sometimes work. It does take that abstract thinking out of you because you do have to think very much within the framework of the laws that you're given the cases the precedents all of that um but at the same time there's just so much room for creativity in law because at the end of the day it is a social science and with social no, no, no. science you know you are you are it's, it's, it's on. you you exactly say it's a social science and if we stay of course within the boundaries of what's somehow acceptable or respectful uh, why we can't follow other ways i mean the, the, yeah. this i don't see and i think it's mostly probably again a cultural um cultural thing and and yeah. um and probably again probably it's just my assumption so please challenge me if i'm if you think it's not the case but um at least when i joined law school uh, and then across my studies, so was you know about whatever uh, 2005 or something. Um, there was that probably cultural tendency where you need to be super specialized, yeah. and you can only be a super specific professional, whatever it is. Uh, let's let's stay with law because I'm not aware of other disciplines, but uh, you need to be a super specific lawyer on that specific niche for that specific thing, and but. And the multidisciplinary thing has always been seen as a be serious thing or let's, I don't want to even touch the topic about being an in-house lawyer because still a few years ago, you were like relegated like <laughs> to, the, to, the, to the last category because you were in a real one. Okay. Uh, that's exactly the opposite. You need to, I can talk for a spirit, from experience and I'm, I'm aware many, many uh, friends and colleagues are the same. Uh, you need to when you are in house, or you need to, you know, you're not, you don't work in a traditional, always uh, uh, way of being a lawyer. Uh, you need to, if you know the answer, amazing. If you don't, you need to find a way. If you don't know how to do it, same. You need to find a way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I totally, totally agree. Also reminds me of another conversation I had with uh, Kevin Keller. So he ha he's an engineer uh, before he became a lawyer and to, uh, you know, has, has that sort of technical background. And I've always wondered how do people who come from different disciplines, I studied business in my undergrad. So it was like more of like a, you know, like related to like law, like if you practice like transactional law, but like engineering, for example, is just so different. And I asked him, how does that help him? 
become a better lawyer. Uh, and he said that it's not necessarily just engineering, but just using the skills you have as a person, like the skills you developed uh, growing up. Maybe someone's good, talented with music. Uh, you know, maybe someone's like talented with art. Someone's uh, I'm not talented with like art or anything, but like I I do. Um, you know, I, I, it's easy for me to visualize certain things. So like you know, I can see contracts and like in my mind somehow I can see them as like you know diagrams and things like that. Uh, other people mm -hmm. have. Can you pardon me for a second? Because there's a naughty, yeah. a naughty, a naughty dog here doing. <laughs> no worries. My apologies. Go, <laughs> uh, Rocco. Uh, yeah, my apologies, guys. Uh, just wanted to go down, probably. Um, yes. Yeah. So yeah, I fully, I fully agree. Um, yeah. Especially when you mention about audios or things you know i'm so i'm so relieved that we have now all these functions uh, on outlook or in word or any sort of applications where you can actually yeah. listen to what you're doing makes your yeah. life so much easier oh yeah and, yeah uh, so definitely and and marco i'm also curious about we've been talking about like you know communication and like you know lawyers and like their creativity but uh from the perspective of a client um, or just like, you know, like a user, how is legal design, like all of this like better way of communicating and all the creativity, how is it making contracts more more accessible and understandable for them? Uh, well, it's a $1 million question. Uh, so I try to give my two cents, my super modest two cents uh, based on what I've done so far, what I've learned so far and what I've applied. Uh, so please take this seriously, but I'm aware of my limits, so check this with good experts. I, I'm trying to learn from the very best, but I give you my version. Um, accessibility to me is everything. So some, some people, uh, some experts, honestly, are saying um, that um, clarity, simplicity, usability are probably the top ones um, or I think if you ask this question to 10 different people, they're going to probably give you a slightly different ranking. Uh, to me, accessibility probably is connected to all of these, but I'm, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to, I'm going to say what I, what, I, what I think. And to me, accessibility is somehow a big umbrella on the top of, over, of everything because uh, I think that's super connected with the concept of persona and user and understanding and empathy so it's so well connected that um and by accessibility i mean um the use of visuals to enhance understand you know what to understand what you're reading type of fonts spaces uh information architecture to be a bit more um technical um, um um, that can be then, uh, as a result of a combination of all of this, colors, I forgot, use of colors. I mean, it doesn't need to be a rainbow. You can if you want to, but you can still use a, a very simple palette of colors and still deliver a huge, uh, a huge message and, and stress out what's important. Um, first, because it's been scientifically proved that the use of visuals or pictures combined to text, etc., improves massively your not just your understanding but mostly your memory so it helps you to connect and contextualize content into a into a topic 
So that's science. I'm not, I, I, can, I cannot quote the exact percentage, but uh, I've read it so many times, I'm sure you can find some literature over there. Um, and then by my experience, again, as a, as a dyslexia lawyer, and I'm not the only one, and dyslexia is a complex argument. There are many different variations, many different, let's say, shades of it. So I, I, I'm not playing the expert. I'm just, let's say, sharing my direct experience. Uh, you definitely need, and it helps massively, to have the proper spaces, uh, numbers, and uh, and to follow a structure that breaks in, in, in little chunks quantity of text or information. So, again, everyone has his, um, has his um, favorites. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, to, to go back to the uh, show and don't tell at this stage, I'll, I'm going to try to... To, to, to share with you guys what I what I've done uh, so far I, my best attempt uh, so far in practice if you want to uh, kindly share if you can sorry if you can kindly share first the number one so the standard template keys and C's I was uh, starting from because so uh, yeah so you can zoom in more even it's fine so I've just found this from the internet, from Google. So this is a standard terms and conditions in the commercial construction sector, if you want. But, I mean, they're pretty much all, all the same. I have to say, frankly, this is also a good one because <laughs> you, you can see definitions and space and numbering. So definitely not too bad. Uh, but for the, for the topics we are discussing today in terms of creativity and in terms of legal design, well, there's, you know, we're a bit in the prehistory, right? So uh, I can share what I've done so far. Um, it, 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 I haven't done it alone. This is a research project. Uh, it, it's not a product. It's not a solution. Uh, I have to be very, very modest with this. This is the result of uh, eight, nine months of very hard research and tests and surveys and, 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 and things. And I've done it in collaboration with legal creatives in Magento. Uh, if you can... Kindly open the number three, uh, please, for me. Uh, yes. Yes. So, uh, yes. So this is, again, as I said, a, a template for from terms and conditions to terms of business, which is already an impactful way of building up relationships, right? Because this is how we want to make this real between us. So between the provider and the and the client, let's say. So we really want just to share who we are, how we want to work together, and what, what's our specialty, what we do for you, okay? Uh, simply in points and stages. And then if you scroll down, I just want to give a very quick overview because, of course, we can't uh, stay too much into the details. But, of course, we, you can reach me out anytime if you want to discuss this further. Uh, I've tried... We have tried <laughs> with, with, again, as I said, with Majoto and Legal Creatives to, 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 dis to destroy literally the, as much as possible the legalese available there to convert it into plain language. But as we said at the beginning of the podcast, to, 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 to stay respectful to, to legal terms because somehow legislation is still there, right? But we tried our very best to, um, to, divide point by point clearly in a very essential but still clear way to flag up 
the important numbers or quotes, as you can see, especially the numbers in terms of payment, which are always a struggle. And without exaggerating, uh, in a simply modest way, a few visuals that can support you in terms of to identify the information where it's necessary to be found and aware of the fact that the, the icons are of the rusty. There's a lot work to do. It's a work in progress. So uh, please pardon me for, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still a draft somehow. But uh, the idea is pretty great. Oh, thank you for that. Um, uh, the, the idea is there, right? And as you can see on the, uh, on the color on the boxes at the bottom of the pages, uh, I, 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 I try to provide additional resources and additional information, uh, both in terms of um, legislation, so actual legal content, or definitions. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm, I don't know, reviewing contracts or reading legal content, I always struggle with definition. I never remember what the definition means. I need to scroll up and down or, you know, find research, etc. So I said, mm, I've done this for 15 years and I still don't understand the definition. Think about the user or the client. They have no idea what we're talking about potentially. Maybe he's, you know, he or she's twice better than me. Amazing. But I just wanted to be sure that there's a bit of support. Um, and then the next page... Um, Let's go to the timeline. I think it's the funniest one. If you scroll another couple of pages. Yes, so the timeline. Yeah. So <laughs> this was extremely hard. It took, it took me, not joking, two months of, of work. Well, I could have done it faster if I you know, was better, but it, it was, it was a, uh, I've learned a lot thanks to this. So at the very beginning, it was messy, uh, full of quotes, Full of reminders. So what I've tried to do here was to narrow down the whole contract process, uh, a very complicated one, uh, from start to end, and to give an overview of what's going on and what can possibly happen from a user perspective. So I've mm -hmm. I've chunked that into negotiation and execution phase, and then narrow it down between you know all the stages of the commercial transaction. Again. Lots to lots to improve, but it's a good base. <laughs> so I'm gonna work on it. And the, the the very final, and please, if you have any questions, let me know. Um, last last page is probably uh, this last page is my favorite. So I, I I wanted to be super direct with this one. So I said, okay, now that you got this, are you happy with the terms of this? Are you ready to sign? If you are happy, amazing. Just sign business name and role, uh, put the date on, we keep going, we work together. If you're not ready, no problem whatsoever. We're ready to help, we're not forcing you to sign, contact us, we discuss what's wrong, we discuss what we can do, or call us back, I mean, we can arrange a call back. So it, it, I've always felt this kind of a push to sign to get things done and sent, or, <laughs> or I don't know how it's in the US, but probably pretty much similar to the UK. Uh, there are so many lines in the signature box where you need to sign uh, between yeah. date, name, surname, role, and that uh, you you say, oh dear, uh, should I? It's, it's just one, right? 
So, and again, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've seen this across my junior lawyer career so far in the last few years in different firms, very experienced people like directors or, or engineers or architects say, uh, is this the spot I need to sign? I mean, it's not the first contract I've seen. You know, yeah. uh, some directors over there have been there since I, I, mean, I was born, probably. So yeah. they still ask me, is that the place to sign? So yeah. come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just written and like, you know, built to be like so confusing. And I mean, there are some aspects as to why. I mean, some matters are just like very complicated to explain. But I'm a big believer in the fact that even like some of the most complex stuff like you have over here, like the IP and copyright, uh, which tends to be like a little bit complicated to explain. You've just got it in like in, in bullet points. So it's perfectly and you know possible to do this. Of course. No, no, no. Exactly. And to be to be to be super, let's say, a bit more precise because I, I don't want to oversell this. These are just terms and conditions or terms of business. I appreciate that some, some contracts or some appointments are extremely complicated. It's hard to, to break those things in pieces right now. I mean, I can't do it <laughs> alone or, you know, a bunch of professionals needs to be on it, right? But you can start, again, going back to creativity. What I showed before was kind of, you know, step one, one hour, you have fun. This is a bit more, uh, but the principle is pretty much the same. This is not perfect. <laughs> this is not, uh, well, this is, yeah, this is the funniest number one. <laughs> um, th this is not perfect. It doesn't need to be, um, but it's the result of many iterations, lots of tests, lots of feedback gathered, lots of sharing. And, you know, you build up and you, you progressively step by step get it get it better yeah. right so and and then we're gonna demystify the, the the bigger biggest monster i think of law school and legal profession which i always have answers everything is perfect uh, out of my pen no my friend yeah. it's not <laughs> it's an iteration process yeah. you do your extreme uh very best but there's much more for you to to increase if you are so modest to ask for feedback and accept what comes back <laughs> which is something I think we haven't been trained in law school. For sure, in Europe, we haven't been trained. I don't know, in the US, I haven't been there. Uh, it's cool. Please tell me what you think. Yeah, no, I mean, similar similar story. I think, like, just uh, in law school as well, like, you're just expected to have the answers. And I'll, uh, I'll boil this down to, like, you know, the classroom, because I think that's where a lot of, I mean, that's where the training starts. That's where, like, the culture of being a lawyer begins, right? So in the U.S. law school, we have the Socratic method of teaching, where you introduce an idea and you discuss it with class. Now, it sounds wonderful. It's like, great. Everyone gets to talk. But we also have a concept called cold calling. If there's like any U.S. lawyers here, they probably already have goosebumps hearing this because it's just traumatic. <laughs> uh, where like the professor will just randomly like in a class of maybe 200 people like some in some of like the bigger classes like you're doing like contract law con law um constitutional law like the professor would just like stop and use it you tell me what was the concurrence uh concurring opinion in this case and you're just like what is my name <laughs> who am i like your brain just like shuts down no, no, you know? no, no, no. so, so no, yeah, that's, that's... at the same time i have to say that challenge is healthy I mean, it, it keeps you. It keeps you like, okay, wait, I have to think. So, yeah. it's. I agree with you. It's a challenge, but I think you yeah. you you learn from the challenges, right? That's about. Yeah. That's that's 
and, and I, I, I have to say it's been a discovery to me because because I've been trained to be right. Uh, I, I'm not right. I've been trained to to to, to have the answers. You know exactly always. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have it. I I don't know. And you know, but back in the days when I I just went out of, of uni. Uh, you know these sort of questions are so big that you just try to survive through your day trying to do something decent right <laughs> but then when you kind of engage at kind of a higher a bit, a bit higher level of your type of work you say i'm sure i'm not the only one that i'm asking myself those questions <laughs> uh, you just need to break uh, break the ice i don't know it happened to me i'm grateful uh so yeah no, yeah. totally. And and I think that sort of change is happening. I think like Berkeley now, like the legal research and writing class, I've been at Berkeley for five years now. Um, and I've seen the the way the legal research and writing class has, you know, evolved and changed now. Like, you know, they're using like newer, cooler things of like, you know, drafting things. Um, Stanford, I mean, Codex uh, has wow. like its own, like, you know, group where like, you know, they brainstorm. You are, like, yeah. Well, guys, you are at the top of the curve, of course. I don't know what to choose between Berkeley and Stanford, honestly, but of course. <laughs> Go Bears, always. Are... <laughs> <laughs> that's a but of course you are you you lead you lead the change over there and uh, and then everything goes uh, reflected everywhere else so absolutely you're doing great things and um, keep going please keep going thank you marco and, and and i think like you know this like sort of change it is happening in so many places i mean people like you know like you tessa um you know there's there's other people that i've spoken to you're all like leading this this change like getting people to think about you know that we can draft contracts differently we don't always have to sound like a lawyer we can lawyer without always sounding or writing uh you know like a like a lawyer so i find that really inspiring and i love i love your template i'm um so grateful you so that you showcased it on on our podcast and just one question uh, sure. about your template. What are the top five things that you're trying to fix with them? And uh, what's, what's next for you? Yes. Um, let me give you a, a slightly longer answer, classical Marco. But at least I'm happy that I give you a complete answer. So um, as I told you before, putting my hands on it, I was doing lots of research, but again, I, I reached the point where I said, Marco, research is enough. You need, to, you need to do the most difficult thing. You need to try to do something on your own. Uh, support it, of course. But then let's say that I've, when I was reading, etc., I've identified three main ways of how to make contracts or legal documents better. So three, I, I call it school of thought. <laughs> so uh, so I, I'm going to name uh, those experts because they are kind of, masters to me uh I, I i know some of them some of them i don't even know them I, I, but it's fine i mean i want to be grateful for what i've learned from that so one school of thought is the so-called legal engineer which is not legal engineer in terms of coding but um there's a professional here in the uk it's called sarah fox she's a commercial construction lawyer but with an engineering background somehow uh so in the way that the the, the, the solution that she offers and she's quite famous for the so-called 500 words. So she wants to provide a version of contracts in just 500 words uh, to reach what's necessary, which is an amazing thing. Uh, 
Um, so what she's trying to do is basically coding the law, right? So she's kind to not reverse engineering, but she understands that the problem is with the code. So she's trying to, like a surgeon, trying to find what works and what's not. So that's one way of approaching. The second approaching is kind of like, yeah, I call it the red liner, the mediator. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Nada Al-Janafi from the US, contract nerd. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. And she has she has written a, an amazing uh, an amazing book for uh, redlining contracts, and she's I call it the mediator. But basically, what she's trying to explain is that I, I don't want to revolutionize or crash the system. I'm just here to, to offer uh, a good solution for redlining in a non-confrontational, um, respectful, um, sharing way to find a solution together. So. We're going to meet in the middle and trying to build up what's best uh, for clarity and, and simplicity. So it's kind of a middle step, right? And then, uh, let's say, the, the final, uh, it's a, not extreme, but a bit stronger. I call it the kind of a design maestro. Uh, well, Stefania Pastor, as I mentioned before, she's a designer. She has an, a legal background, but, you know, her design um, approach is so, you know, it's so strong that it goes deep in understanding again, is this useful? But because you don't have a legal background, you don't you don't care about what's written down. You need to understand first that it's useful and understandable. My ways, what's my way? My five, my five things, very briefly. Uh, so first of all, I try to, as I said, accessibility to me is everything. So first things first, Mary Kondo method, simplify. So try to go through the document that you have and go and simplify. Then ensure that your terms are clear. So if you see any monsters, notwithstanding, whereas, etc., unless necessary, please delete it. Use of visuals in support. Again, you don't need to exaggerate, but they can definitely help. Uh, third and four, well, I really believe in supporting legal content. So definitions that can help, hyperlinks, any sort of resources that if you want to dig in a bit more, it's available. And finally, but I probably it's the point number one, Using all these first four, stronger relationships to reach trust and to be sure that you can deliver and be of service to the community. So from legal as a hassle, from legal as a service. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I love that. Uh, I, I love the energy that you bring to it and all the creativity you brought to it. And I, I love seeing a template. I'm definitely going to go through it a little bit more. And I'm sure our listeners have uh, really enjoyed, you know, listening to you and, you know, all your all your insights. And I'm very excited for all the great things that you do with your with your templates uh, at MM3 Legal and uh, just in general, like, you know, leading, uh, leading the change. So thank you so much again, Marco. And uh, thank thanks very much for joining the podcast. Thank you, everyone. Um, thank you very much for having me. And thank you again to all our amazing listeners. Thank you for tuning in every week. We're here every Thursday with uh, more amazing, amazing speakers. So, so stay tuned and um, stay, stay creative. <laughs> The practice of law is changing, and we're here for it. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of Rethinking Legal Ops. Follow us for more such insightful conversations about the transformative impact of legal tech. Also, follow Speed Legal and let us know in your comments and messages about how you leverage legal tech solutions to make your work more efficient. See you next time.